It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast here on Local12.com. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor. As always, it's brought to you by Infinity, Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. Uh, talking to Kentucky football, we'll mix in a little Reds. Jeff Bacoro is the radio analyst for UK football. Of course, you see him as well on uh, Fox Sports Ohio with Reds coverage. But uh, with Kentucky off to a 4-0 start, Jeff, thought it would be time to talk a little UK football. <laughs> you know, look, this hasn't happened uh, in, a, in a long time, 2-0 in the SEC, first time since 77. Um, and, and I think that I guess the most impressive part to this is it isn't like you've won on last-second field goals or lucked into these these two wins against two Two good teams, Florida at their place. It's their only loss. Mississippi State was ranked 14th. I think the thing that's most impressive is you've kind of uh, pushed both of those teams around. This seems to be a different Kentucky football team than many, many, many teams have been here in recent vintage. I think you're exactly right, Skinny. You know, going into that Florida game, I said you're not going to out-athlete Florida. You have to out-scheme them. But I'm not so sure anymore because Coach has done such a great job in Florida and in Ohio in recruiting that he has the athletes to stand toe-to-toe and knock Florida off the ball. I think they dominated Florida. The score was much closer than the game was. And then the Mississippi State game against a team that is known for being so strong in the trenches, mm-hmm. and their problem has always been, you know, well, when they had Dak Prescott, but it's been the skill positions that they, you know, just don't have enough. But Kentucky, Bunchy Stallings, that offensive line was just fantastic, and they, they simply couldn't block man-to-man Kentucky's defensive front. And when was the last time we said that, when a guy named Mark Still was playing defensive end? Yeah, right. The 40 years ago, the last time they started doing it in the SEC, for goodness sake. Um, you look at, at, at this team, and, and people talk about Benny Snell, and rightfully so, but I think you just touched on it. Well, you look at what the defense has done. Teams have completed 50% of their passes. That's it. They're allowing three point, what, two yards per rush, 3.6 mm-hmm. yards per rush. And, yeah, two of those opponents are Central Michigan and Murray State, but two of those opponents are SEC teams as well, one that really wants to run the football in Mississippi State. I think that's the part. If you're a Kentucky fan right now, you can look and say, uh, again, th- th- you know, these aren't lucky things that are going on. This is a pretty solid football team that, that as long as people stay healthy defensively, they're going to be in literally every game, and that may include Georgia down the road. Yeah, and you know It's a testament to, and, and we always hear, and this is in every sport, fire this guy, bring in this guy. You know, we want to you know, bring in a new coach. If it doesn't work in two or three years, get rid of him. What's happened here is you've given Mark, this is his sixth season now, and you've seen pretty much each year the recruiting level has gone up, 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 and the players that they're bringing in are simply better players across right. the board. They're more athletic, they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. And, you know, you, you throw in a dash of getting lucky with a guy like a Ben Snell or a, a Boom was, you know, a couple of years ago. And now look at what this team has done. It's just a better football team. When they walk out on the field, they look like Georgia. They look like, you know, I'm not going to say they look like Alabama because they look like the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> no, no, no one looks like Alabama. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know, they look like a football team now. And they're playing like they've got a, he's got a nice set of coaches underneath him. Keeping Vince Morrow, I think, was the biggest coup since Mitch Barnhart maybe has been athletic director. <laughs> Uh, you know, to, to match Michigan's offer for him and keep him, he is just the, the, the essence of their recruiting. And, uh, you know, they've done a great job. And, and basically over these six years, they simply got deeper and better football players, and they're a really good football team. Um, I think the other part is there's probably a little more upside offensively, too. You know what you have in yeah. Benny Snell. L.J. Rose has run the football. I mean, they, they have 
they have consistently run the ball very effectively, and they run it in, in different ways. The quarterback Terry Wilson has shown he can he can take off and run. Um, it, it's funny there are times Terry Wilson doesn't look very accurate. You look up yeah. and he's completing sixty seven percent of his passes. That said, he still if they're going to take whatever ultimate step they're going to take this right. year, he has to become a better, more consistent passer, right? Yeah, you know, you're exactly right. What's going to happen, and, and we saw that a little bit in Mississippi State, what's going to happen is they're simply going to load the box and dare you to throw it. It's like, look, we're not going to let Benny Snell beat us, so who else you got? And they've got to throw the ball for more than 70 yards a game. You right. simply have to. And they've got some great tools out there. I mean, C.J. Conrad is probably going to be the first tight end taken in this year's draft. That's how good this kid is. And yet we've only seen the tip of the iceberg with him. He's got fantastic hands. He can run, and he's got great size at 252 pounds. He's got size on the outside now at receiver. He's got speed at receiver. Um, and the next step is, is this young man. Maybe it's going to the play-action game. And, and the problem is when you run, and this is one of the things that I've never understood about teams that consistently go out of the shotgun or pistol or whatever you want to call it, but you've pretty much taken the play-action pass out of the game. Right. You know? So you, you just have to do it by, hey, it's first and ten, we're going to throw it instead of run the football. Um, but I think that's the next step is Terry throwing the ball down the field and this team getting 150 to 250 yards a game throwing the football. You talked about some speed on the outside, and there is. You, you haven't seen a lot of big plays in the past. Mm-hmm. You've seen a couple. Uh, Lynn Bowden, I think, only averaging, what, 10 yards a catch. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, who is that guy that, that can maybe stretch the field, and, and how much more do they need to take some shots like that? Well, you know, I think I think a guy like Dorian Baker reminds me a lot of Stevie Johnson. Um, he made a nice catch in the game against Mississippi State there at the you know at the two yard line. He he makes a spectacular catch, and he kind of how do I say this nicely? I don't want to say falls asleep, but does it? You know, the, the easy catch when he's open at ten right, yards and it's right. like his hands and drops. You know, it's just a concentration thing. Um, is he, you know, and now he's a senior, so he has to step up. But I think Lynn Bowden is a guy um, that, that could be that. Uh, you, you know, he's shown spectacular talent. They just have to find ways to get him the ball in space. Uh, you know, they don't do a lot. And this was something that Rich Brooks did, and, and even how Mummy, for that matter, is those, those wide receiver screens. You know, yeah, get, get, just get, get their hands on the ball, right. Yeah, that's something we haven't really seen out of this offense, and maybe that's just something that Eddie Grant doesn't like to do. But I'd like to see him try to get the ball in his hands a little bit more because he could be a real playmaker on the outside. Uh, defensively, we've touched on, on kind of the front seven, but one guy I do want to, want to talk about in particular, Josh Allen. Um, uh, he's a wrecker. I mean, he, he's, <laughs> he's got, what, six and a half tackles for loss, three sacks. Um, uh, he's got a pass defended. I mean, he does a little bit of everything, but, but man, he is just an absolute wrecker. Who I don't think he flies under the radar of SEC teams or those that follow the league, but probably nationally he does. But you know, you watch him game in and game out, Jeff, and, and uh, I, I guarantee you he can play for a lot of people. Yeah, when you you know when you listen to the Paul Feinbaums of the world, he's a great player. Mel Kiper, he's an okay player. He, Mel just hasn't seen him enough. You know some of those guys, but uh, you know I I think Feinbaum is a is a, is a good example of somebody who knows what he's talking about on the air. He's been around for so long. And, and he says he's one of the best defensive ends. He's up there with the Carlos Dunlops of the world. I think he can be that type of a player uh, at the next level, too, because he has a great burst, um, and he's strong, and he's still growing. I mean, he's, he's put on 15 pounds since last year, and that was his dedication to the weight room. And he, he's just a much better player than he was a year ago. But I'll tell you what's going to the other guy. Uh, I think there's really two guys. And the other guy's a kid from right here in Ohio, Mike Edwards. Yeah, Both Mike's those really guys, good. 
both of those guys coming back have really solidified this defense and have also taken the next step as their leaders of this football team, too, on and off the field. And that was something that Mark really needed in a player. Who's going to step up for me defensively and be that leader? And it's been those two guys. Uh, Kentucky has South Carolina. You'll be on the call on Saturday night. I've had a couple of, of friends of mine that have said, well, you know, what, what about a possible letdown? I said, yeah, I get it. I mean, you know, you're 2-0 and and, and and the win over Mississippi State and fans rushed the field, which, which cost the, the university $100,000. But I said, and I go back to my original statement to you, letdowns to me occur when you lucked into a win or you swatted a last-second field goal or something along those lines. I, I just don't see that type of a, of, a, of a thing taking place. Am I wrong? No, I agree with you. I think this team is really hungry, and I think that they think that they're underappreciated. And the crowd last week was ridiculous. It was, an, I would say, 90 95% full. It's sold out this week. It's going to be a really fun atmosphere. It's going to be a beautiful night, no rain. Uh, so I think you're going to get a fantastic crowd. And look, they, the guys even said it. They fed off the crowd, and that's something that, when you go to a game, and, and you've done this, Skinny, so you know this, when you go to Ohio State, when you go to Alabama, when you go to Auburn, when you go to LSU, the crowds are just so awesome. And as a player, it, just, it, it lifts you up. Even when no doubt. Not, yeah, not having the best game, in the, you know, that crowd gets behind you, you're like, no, I can do this. Yeah, right, exactly, exactly. Um, the players can't do this, coaches can't do this, but I can do this, and, and maybe even you can do this. You start to look at what's ahead before Georgia. It's a home game with South Carolina Saturday. It's at Texas A&M, which um, on paper in their place at Kyle Field, I could say is is going to be favored and probably a better team. than Vandy at home and at Missouri, which, again, I think Kentucky's at least on par with, if not a hair better. Can this team go 4-0 in that stretch and and get to 8-0 before they play Georgia? Well, I'll tell you what, that I I really think the real litmus case is Texas A&M. I do, too. They've never been there. They've never played against in that type of an atmosphere. I mean, it's, what, almost 100,000 or 100,000 people. And and it's Uh, raucous, and it's it's loud. And and it's really, yeah, and it's a solid football team. They've never been in that situation before. And I'm talking about even playing at Auburn and playing at LSU and stuff. It's a different atmosphere with that 12th man that they have there at Texas A&M. I think that is going to be the real key. If they do go 4-0, I mean, Skinny, think of that for a second. You're looking at a possibility of a 10-win season. Right, right. (laughs) And that has not happened, by the way, since 1977. So wow. it, does, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. You played on a couple of good teams, and you didn't even get to 10 wins. So well, uh, we got hey, to nine. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> which was a big accomplishment. Uh, obviously, yeah, since they haven't done the 10 wins since 77. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I didn't want to touch on the Reds uh, for sure. a moment. It's been a real disappointing ending to the season. You hit mm-hmm. that, that midway point where yeah. um, I, I think even some fans started thinking some playoffs, which was way ahead of the curve when yeah. they were still nine yeah. games under. But they had made a, a nice surge. The, the offense, though, over the last couple of three weeks has gone south. I mean, is there something you can put your finger on? Because really, if you look at from the everyday lineup perspective, the only guy not out there is Jesse Winker. I mean, pretty much it's been the guys that you're probably going to put on the field next year. What, what's going on with this offense? I just think that, to, to put it nicely, that the season's over. <laughs> right. you know I think right. a lot of those guys now are just have cashed it in, so to speak. And, and it's unfortunate because I really thought – that with Jim Riggleman, this team wouldn't do that. But really, Peraz is the only guy out there. I mean, you had a guy, and, and you had two guys in in Suarez at third base and Scooter at second base who were, who were playing for something. You know, a batting title. An RBI title. An RBI right. title there. And, 
Uh, and maybe it's just the fact that, you know, it's a long schedule and all that. But, you know, you talk to Jim Riggleman, Skinny, he says, I don't buy that. They get more days off now. I've given these guys rest. But it does look, especially with the players, that his bat slowed down a little bit here in the yeah. last couple of weeks. And, and maybe it's just simply taking a, a little bit of a toll this long season and all the losing. Look, it's not fun to go out there and get your brains beat in every night. Absolutely. And, um, you know, and unfortunately for this team, it has. But, I, I you know, that's it. And the other thing, they've got some pretty good pitching of like Castillo and Reed. Yeah. It's fantastic their last couple starts. And they have one win to show, what, two wins to show for it. Um, yeah, in that regard, and I'm not going to go deep dive here for you, but I do have a final question. As we look ahead to the offseason, mm-hmm. what did we find out about the young pitchers this year? And when you go into this offseason, how many do you need to go get? Two, three, one? <laughs> I think the the, the – the jury's still out on Tyler Malley. Um, a, very, a disappointing season. He said it himself. It was a very disappointing season. Di Scafani, second half, a very disappointing season. Uh, do you bring Matt Harvey back? And if you do, what do you pay to right. try to get him here? Uh, that's a big question. You know, you talk to some scouts, and they say, Jeff, he's a $7, 8000000 million pitcher. But, of course, you, we all know who his agent is. Who Correct. He's you know, going to get $15 million a year. I just don't see it. And the one thing that we've seen, the trend these last two years in starting pitching is we're not going to pay these huge sums. I mean, you had some really good pitchers that didn't start this season on a team. Cobb, guys like that, they didn't have a job when the season started right. because they weren't getting the money they thought they were going to get. And it's only going to get more because the trend in baseball and, and what Riggleman says, and this isn't just him saying this, is they're not starting pitchers and they're not relief pitchers anymore. They're simply pitchers. And you look at Tampa Bay, who starts a guy who goes an inning or maybe I love two. It. I love yeah, it. And I think that that's what you're going to see. The trend is three to four innings from the guy that goes first, three innings from the next guy, and that gives you the bridge to your setup guy and your closer. I, I wrote a column about that back in May and had people laugh at me. I said, I think that's the trend. You, find, you, you start looking at splits of guys and even guys on this staff, and, boy, you look and go, man, the first three innings, that's Cy Young. The next three innings, he is sayonara. I mean, it, it is a complete difference, and I think you have to start, especially when you don't have stars like they don't have, I think it's the way you got to look at it. We'll talk about that, obviously, in the offseason. We just want to get a quick take on it. Okay. Dick, I, I certainly appreciate the time. And Thanks, uh, I know for, for Kentucky football, it's been, it's been a heck of a run, and uh, enjoy the game tomorrow night. Thanks, Kenny. Talk to you soon. You, you bet. That's Jeff Picoro from uh, Fox Sports Ohio on the Reds coverage. Of course, the radio analyst for the Reds. This has been the Skinny Podcast presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. Keep it right here at local12.com.